Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Well, well, well. Hello, Las Vegas. What a week we have had here. Oh, my goodness. It is fun to be the Battleborn State in an election year. Wow. We had, we had the debate. We had candidates here all week long from both sides. The president was here. The president's family was here. It has just been an incredible time to be a Nevadan. So I'm not, I don't know what, we're, I, I don't know where this is going to go today. I really don't because I just, I'm, there's so many things to talk about. I really want to talk about the fact that Mayor Pete is not who he presents himself as. We will see if we actually get to that or not because we're going to work through the things that have happened here in Nevada this week, starting with the debate, talk a little bit about Trump's events that he was here for and then how the caucusing will work today. Obviously, since our podcast releases on Saturday morning, we don't have the caucus results yet, but we will give you the information for those of you that live here in Nevada as to how you can go about caucusing if that is something that you will be participating in today. And I say if that is something you'll be participating in today because obviously Republicans are not uh, having a, an event today. The Nevada Republican uh, Party has decided to forego that, so only those who are registered Democrats would be participating. But I would encourage you, if you are a registered Democrat, that you should participate in your caucus process. If you don't know what voter registration is, or you're like, I don't know, I think I'm a Democrat, I think I'm a Republican, I might be an independent, I don't know. If you don't know or you don't have a voter registration card, you need to get registered to vote. You're too late to participate in the caucus, but it is not too late. In fact, it is exactly the right time to get registered to vote so that you can participate in the November election. All right. First of all, the debate on Wednesday night. Possibly the best debate ever. Why would I say this? Because, I, okay, I'm... Uh, those of you that listen, you know, probably have maybe figured out that I'm not a Democrat. I consider myself a Christian, constitutional, conservative. You can take your own guesses as to where my voting then may fall. But let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I don't have anything against Democrats per se, except, you know, the endorsement of that they kill babies. Other stuff I can... I can I could deal with um, as long as it's not against the the, mor the moral standards that I have as a Christian. So there's things like like marriage. I believe that God intended marriage to be between one man, one woman for one lifetime, and and that's it. And that's the only uh, time where intimacy is not sin. Okay, so it's not like I hate a certain group of people. I'm saying that's the only time I believe biblically that that should be uh, a thing. So, but aside from the moral issues. There are government issues, and this is something that I think Christians struggle with sometimes, and that we, we don't do well, okay? Democrats have different views and, and different 
independents often as well, or, or libertarians, have different views on ways to govern, and that's okay. To a point, obviously it's in violation of the Constitution, then not okay. There's the, the moral aspects of things, and then there are the way we want things governed because we are Americans, or because this is the way our Constitution is, or this is the way that we think it should be best done. And, and sometimes we forget to differentiate between those two. So, I have many friends who are Democrats. I even know Democrats that morally would align with me and yet still choose to vote for Democrats and be Democrats. I don't understand that personally because I don't see that viewpoint. But we can still be friends. We can still have conversations. It's, this isn't something that needs to be as divisive as it is in our country. But the, <laughs> the debate, I found it absolutely hilarious. And everybody is freaking out, I feel, on the left because, it's, oh, it's such chaos and disruption. And, and oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Did, like, do you forget what Republican debates were like in 2015? Now, I don't think it was quite, I, I don't remember one quite like this, but it was kind of like chaos and confusion and a bazillion candidates, and the billionaire New Yorker ended up winning. The one that was the most brash, the one that people were like, no, 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 he won't win. So while everyone's writing off Michael Bloomberg because of his poor debate performance which it was abysmal, I actually felt bad for the guy. Because he was the only person on stage standing up for capitalism and things that are actually American. I was just like, dude, what? I, I appreciated Michael Bloomberg's presence on the stage because he was like, you guys are crazy. Socialism won't work in this country. Capitalism is the way to go. That's why I have all the money, people. Because I worked hard for it. Because I live in a country where I have the privilege of doing so. He was, uh, Mayor Pete even went after at one point was be like, we need to elect someone who's actually a Democrat. Because if you watched everyone else on stage, Bloomberg definitely stood out. And I think that the other candidates may have made a major error. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'm, I'm wrong right now because Biden is just tanking and I thought he was their only hope. I did not think Bernie Sanders was going to do this well. But the fact of the matter is Bernie Sanders keeps winning. And Bernie Sanders is polling very well. And Bernie Sanders is looking to go into Super Tuesday and just come out of this thing unstoppable. And I think the candidates on the Democratic debate stage may have made a crucial error in choosing to focus all of their attention. Well, okay. Maybe all is a little bit of a strong word. They, they did take shots at each other, especially Mayor Pete and, and, uh, and Klobuchar. Oh my goodness, they were just at each other. But primarily, the focus was on Bloomberg. Just attack Bloomberg, attack Bloomberg, attack Bloomberg, attack Bloomberg. Which I get because he's, he's, he literally bought his way onto the debate stage. He's buying people's influence online. He's using social media influencers and different online influencers to try and persuade the public. But this isn't any different. The other people are spending their money too. They're just not doing it the same way that Bloomberg is doing it. And Bloomberg obviously has more money to spend. But Bloomberg is not polling the way Bernie Sanders is polling. And you might be worried about this guy because he's appeared out of nowhere, it seems, and is the, the Democratic establishment hopeful because they see that I, I, Biden was the guy. And Biden is just... I, 
Biden has just fallen by the wayside. I feel like he is he's done. He needs to save himself some dignity and drop out after Nevada if I was him. Because I don't see him doing well here and if he doesn't have a very strong finish here, I think he's he's over and he just needs to Well anyway. And that's I did not see that one coming at all. I thought he would be top two, top three, and he's just not he's just not there. So Bloomberg has emerged as the guy for mainstream Democrats, and so everyone's attacking him while failing to look at the fact that Bernie is the guy that's actually winning, and Bernie is the guy that is polling really, really well, and Bernie is the guy that is set to go into Super Tuesday and just run away with this thing, which I never thought I would say. The guy is so angry. And so not nice like <laughs> he's never worked a day in his life that's not even i i believe again okay i shouldn't say he's never worked a day in his life but i did study it once before and i'm pretty sure he's never held an actual job in this country until he was an elected official so granted I guess he has worked a day in his life as an elected official. So I, I take it back. Prior to being elected, he never had a quote-unquote real job. Not saying that those that serve in Congress don't have a real job. I'm just saying he never worked outside of Washington, D.C. Huge supporter of the USSR. Huge supporter of socialist regimes, communist regimes. Even Bloomberg even called out the communism aspect of this thing. And Bernie was like, well, that is just disgraceful that you would call me a communist. There's a difference between communism and socialism. I'm telling you, the man is angry. He's always angry. I don't know why he is so angry. Why are you angry all the time? My favorite line of the night, though, had to be... When Bloomberg, what? <laughs> oh, Bloomberg goes after Bernie and he's like, what a great country we live in that the mo best known socialist has three houses. And Bernie's like, well, thank you very much. I do have three houses. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because I live in Washington, D.C. And Bloomberg goes, that's the first problem. I'm telling you, hilarious. I was laughing so much. This debate just was so entertaining. So anyway, it's like, first of all, I live in Washington, D.C., and then, of course, I have my home in Vermont. Okay. All right. Well, that that's fair, okay? Most members of Congress are going to have two residences. They don't necessarily have a house in Washington, D.C. Some even sleep in cots uh, in their offices or share apartments because they have their home where they actually live and not a house in D.C. That's obviously very costly, right? And Bernie's like, and then, like so many other Vermonters, yes, I do have a summer camp. Thank you very much. What he failed to mention was that his quote-unquote summer camp, which sounds like he's got a little, you know, uh, what do you call those things? Motorhome. Sounds like he's got a little motorhome down in Florida somewhere. No, 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 no. This man has a $600,000 property on a lake. as his third home. So, Bloomberg, yeah, he kind of just took it to him there. Alright, um, let's go through some of my favorite moments of the evening. 
Bernie Sanders, this was this was a good one. He thanked we in Las Vegas for the excellent Medicare he received here. Of note, <laughs> Bernie Sanders' medical care that he's referring to took place at Desert Springs Hospital. In case you're wondering, Desert Springs is a private hospital. You're like, what? What does that mean? Well, there are public and private hospitals. Did you know that? So hospitals that are governed privately are privately owned, privately operated, has its own individual uh, ownership. The owner is responsible for recruiting the staff, the the con the the sorry, the doctors, equipment, maintenance, everything is privately owned. Pri it's basically a private business, and private hospitals generally are the preferred choice because they are privately owned means they're not limited in their budget and they often have better quality service, better individual care for their patients, better attention. You don't have to uh, spend long periods of time waiting to be seen because the number of patients per doctors is usually much lower. Because of this, the cost for services in private hospitals is often much higher and therefore you usually get a more afflu affluent base of patients. Publicly funded government uh, hospitals are just that. They're publicly funded. They're, they're not privately owned. So equipment, salaries, uh, facilities, prescriptions, everything is paid for by a budget that's set by the local government and then the hospital's administration uh, govern the spending that the hospital does and determines what set of services that hospital would uh, would give. So costs are lower. So if you have a re more restrictive insurance or who are not able, if you're not able to pay for healthcare out of pocket, you're probably, uh, the hospitals that are your uh, insurance is covering is probably a, a, a publicly funded hospital. So Bernie Sanders, avowed socialist who wants socialized everything, including socialized medicine, when he was here in Las Vegas, chose to go to a private hospital where he received excellent medical care. Just kind of ironic. Candidates, <laughs> another favorite moment. It is very hot in Las Vegas. It's very hot here. So hot. Proof of global warming is Las Vegas. That's how hot it is here. That was, that was basically the moment. Not word for word, but... I kind of had to look around and be like, Alright, so you think it's hot right now? Wait till you come back. In August, you will probably melt because it is not hot here right now. Also, it's not global warming. This is a desert. Deserts are hot. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? And so they all talked about global warming. And, and Mayor Pete said if we don't meet our climate deadline, we'll never meet any of our other policy deadlines. But... But they didn't give us what the climate deadline is. Like, is there, is there a year? Because I, I, I'm, I've seen the studies. Like, we were all supposed to have been obliterated by now already because of the global warming. But we're still here. Actually, I think at that point it might have been uh, uh, cooling. I don't remember if it was cooling or warming or just climate changing. All the things were supposed to have killed us by now. And, but, but if we don't meet the climate deadline, we'll never meet any of our other policy deadlines. Such as what exactly? What deadlines are being held up by the fact that we haven't met the climate deadline? Whatever that means. Like, what does that even mean? We do more to cut 
emissions at a, than any other country in the world. If you're really worried about the planet, then I don't know. Maybe Mayor Pete wants a war with China because they're the big violators of pollutants. Then, of course, they all talked about banning fracking. Bernie Sanders wants a complete ban on fracking. If he does that, that is majorly going to impact his chances in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, my prediction is Bernie is the candidate and he pushes this ban on fracking. He will lose Pennsylvania. Trump will take Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania fracking jobs have just boomed in the last decade. Thousands upon thousands of natural gas jobs there. Trump will carry Pennsylvania if Bernie wins and pushes this thing. I, I That's my prediction. But pretty much it was a... Uh, it was a... We need to go back to candlelit homes, steam-powered horse and buggies, basically Democratic candidates, in order to prevent us all from dying from global warming, prefer that we become Amish, without actually saying that. Elizabeth Warren said she wants to invent things that haven't been invented. That is an actual quote. But, but in all fairness, Elizabeth Warren, I think, had the best night. Well, actually, I, I disagree. I disagree with myself. <laughs> And with many other pundits, everyone's saying Elizabeth Warren had an incredible evening. I don't disagree that she had an incredible evening, but I think the real winner last night was Bernie Sanders. I really, really do, because so much focus, so much attention. I'm sorry, not last night. Last night was the, or yesterday was the Trump thing. When was the, Wednesday night was the debate. So much of the, of the focus was on Bloomberg. And Elizabeth Warren just, I mean, she just tore him to shreds talked about she she led with a line so so powerful talking about uh, let me tell you who we're running against and then said all these derogatory things that make it seem like she's talking about president trump and then she says and i'm not talking about donald trump i'm talking about mayor bloomberg and it was it was a powerful moment and all night long she just dropped bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb and she had an incredible evening debate-wise. I just really believe that with Bernie Sanders where he's polling right now, that he's the winner. Because he wasn't chopped down to nothing, he wins, in my opinion. But as far as actual debating, incredible night for Elizabeth Warren. I think she, she will have to see a huge bump in polls. Bloomberg, obviously, I think will, will fall unless he can continue to just pour money into this thing. But he, he, he just... The first half of the debate in particular, he was just, he was on the defensive constantly and wasn't able to get anything going. In the second half of the debate, he really uh, had a lot more going for him, but the, the first half was just terrible. Then there was <laughs> another one of my favorite moments. Uh, again, I don't know how much we're actually going to get to today because there's just so much in the debate. I could just do a whole hour just talking about the debate. I gotta wrap up the debate here in just a few minutes, but I, I gotta get in a few more things, and then we'll talk about uh, the the Trump rally and the, and the caucuses here in our today. But <laughs> the hand raising, I I could not, I, I I I've never seen it before. I'm telling you, this debate was unlike anything else. It was it was fantastic. If you're any kind of political nerd, this was this was just beautiful thing, beautiful thing. So they're all like raising their hand and not just like a little, you know, put your finger up in the air and be like, hey, I'm right here. I, I'd like to just make a comment. No, no. 
like straight up in the air. You know that kid in your class that you were like, put your hand down. That was all of them. <laughs> like, like no bending of the elbow where it's like, you know, you, you have like the little wave going on. No, no. Straight up, full extension of the arm, as high as you can reach. Like, pick me, teacher, pick me, pick me, pick me. Look, my hand is higher than his hand. No, 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 mine, mine, mine. <coughs> Excuse me. All night long. It was so fun. I've, I've, I've literally never seen this before in a debate ever in my life. Where all of them are like full extension, no, 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 let me talk, let me talk, let me talk, pick me teacher, pick me teacher, just, what is going on? Oh. <laughs> oh. Bernie Sanders also wanted us to know that it's a terrible thing that billionaires exist. He didn't say anything about millionaires, though. Possibly because he is one. So apparently millionaires are okay, just not billionaires. Which Michael Bloomberg would be. Fun fact for you, under Elizabeth Warren's tax plan, Bloomberg would owe about $3 billion in taxes next year. Another fun fact for you, if Bill Clinton, today, announced that he was running for president, well, I guess he would have had to do it on Wednesday. If he had announced on Wednesday that he was running for president and had made the debate... He would have been the second youngest g man on the stage. Second youngest man on the stage. And, and, and right in the middle, age-wise, of the whole group. So out of Biden, Buttigieg, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Michael Bloomberg, Bernie Sanders, and Amy Klobuchar, Bill Clinton would have been the second youngest guy on the stage, right in the middle of the pack, age-wise, for all of them. That blew my mind. Amy Klobuchar, one of her memorable moments of the night, was saying that post-it notes were invented in her state. Lovely. Uh, Bloomberg, one of his other strong lines was, I can't think of a way to make it easier to get Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. This is ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. It's called communism, and it doesn't work. Another memorable moment was Amy Klobuchar saying to Mayor Pete, I wish everyone was as perfect as you, Pete. That's... That's coming from somewhere. That was a moment where you just ooh. There's some there's some bitterness, there's some angst happening there. All right, I'm going to wrap up with the statement from Michael Bloomberg's campaign, wrap up the the part of the show where we talk about the debate anyway. Michael Bloomberg's campaign manager Kevin Sheeky released a statement following the debate which said you know you are a winner when you are drawing attacks from all the candidates. Everyone came to destroy Mike tonight. It didn't happen. Everyone wanted him to lose his cool. He didn't do it. He was the grown-up in the room. Tonight, Mike Bloomberg... And that, that is true, actually. He did look like the grown-up in the room. On defensive all the time, mostly. All the time, mostly. Yeah, I know. Okay. Just bear with me. 
Tonight, Mike Bloomberg presented himself as the leading alternative to Bernie Sanders. Everyone came to get under Mike's skin, but instead Mike got under Bernie's. Mike delivered the line of the night to Senator Sanders. What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. It took Mike just three months to build a stronger campaign than the rest of the field had built in more than a year. It took him just 45 minutes in his first debate in 10 years to get his legs on the stage. He was just warming up tonight. We fully expect Mike will continue to build on tonight's performance when he appears again on the stage in South Carolina next Tuesday. So uh, Bloomberg's campaign is still optimistic, thinking that he just needed the practice and that he will come out strong and swinging in South Carolina on Tuesday this coming week. We'll see if that is the case. If so, then maybe the candidates were right to go after him as much as they did. But I still think missed opportunity, Bernie Sanders leading the way. I predict Bernie Sanders will win in Nevada today. All right, so I'm not going to have time to talk about Mayor Pete today. I really, okay, next next podcast, we're going to do it. Unless something major happens or I just can't not talk about the next debate. No, we're going to do it. We're gonna, next podcast, don't miss it. We need to talk about Mayor Pete if he's still in the running, which I think that he will be. But we're, we're going to do that. I just can't do it today because we need to talk about uh, the Trump rally and we need to talk about the Nevada caucus happening today. So, first off, the Trump rally. I got to go to that yesterday. What <laughs> an experience. Like, it is, it's, I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, or an I don't care party. There is nothing like a political rally. There really isn't. I have been to Democratic rallies. Actually, I think maybe only one. But I've been to a Democratic rally. I have been to Republican rallies for, I'm pretty sure, every Republican candidate since George W. Bush, I think. So I've been to, I've been to everybody's rally. I've, I've shook John McCain's hand, got Sarah Palin's autograph wrote in an elevator with Mitt Romney at rallies and there's just there's nothing quite like a campaign rally if you're especially if you're any kind of political junkie there's there's nothing like it but having been to literally every candidate's rallies for pretty much the entirety of my adult life actually <laughs> I can tell you there is nothing quite like a Trump rally it's just the the feeling is different and it, it's it's just, it's different. It's not, not in a bad way. It's just very different feeling than feelings that I had going to other rallies. It, you know, other rallies that I've been to in the past, it's very structured, very, uh, very patriotic, uh, very inspirational, I think you could say. And Trump rallies are also um, very patriotic, but they have more of a party atmosphere I feel like and it's not as structured or as inspirational it's just Trump just talks he talks about whatever he wants to talk about he has a speech but I tell you what the man spoke for nearly two hours two hours like you think your pastor preaches long no try going to a Trump rally and and, and church will seem seem um short after that but anyway, so today we're going to go a little bit longer than I usually will in the podcast today because I was able to speak uh, with several individuals yesterday at the rally. And I'm going to share just part of one conversation with you today because our, our time is limited. So I'm going to share that conversation with you and then we're going to come back and do 
just a quick recap of what the caucusing looks like today. Obviously, we don't have the results in because this is coming out before the, the results come in tonight for our caucus. But I, I did want you to meet this gal. This is one of the one of the favorite people I talked to yesterday at the rally. I also met Wayne Allen, really nice guy. Was Anyway, don't have time to tell you about all the people that I met. But this gal is the deputy communications director for the Trump campaign. And I was able to talk with her for a little bit about Mayor Pete's comments earlier this week regarding Christians, his view that Christians would not be able to support Trump. So we talked about it a little bit, and then I asked her if we could just make that conversation happen again for our radio audience. So this is this is the conversation, a shortened version, and uh, just, a, just a little bit of what we discussed. I thought you might find this interesting. And then we'll come back and we will wrap up with just some information about the caucus. It's only a couple minutes. All right, guys, we're here at the Trump rally in Las Vegas, and we have Erin Perini. She's with the Trump campaign. We're going to let her introduce herself, though, because I can't remember her title. So, Erin. I'm Erin Perini, Principal Deputy Communications Director for President Trump. Awesome. Okay, so obviously we have a huge crowd coming out today. Uh, Las Vegas people have been driving in. It's been all over the news. It's awesome. If you're a Trump supporter, obviously. Um, what was interesting to me, so we were talking a little before we came on the air about how our station is primarily reaches an evangelical audience here in Las Vegas. And I'm sure as you saw a few days ago, Mayor Pete Buttigieg had mentioned that from his interpretation of scripture, he didn't see how a Christian could support President Trump. So from your perspective, what would your response to that be? It's really inappropriate for Mayor Pete to try to use the Bible, biblical passage and biblical teaching to divide the country. And to use it in such a political manner, it's it's really disheartening. As, as a Christian, as a Catholic myself, I, sure. I my interpretation of, of this scripture and of the Bible is that I have every reason to support this president. He's the most pro-life president that has ever existed. His values align with mine. Maybe he doesn't say it the way I would say it, but it works the way he says it because he's the president of the United States. Scripture should not be used to divide the country the way that Mayor Pete has tried to use it. And I, I know that I know that those with faith and those who believe in God know that as well. Yeah, and what's interesting is that he said it was his interpretation, which obviously no scriptures have any private interpretation. So he can take it that way if he wants, but maybe, maybe not correct there. So... From your perspective, what are some things, if there were maybe evangelicals the last time around that said, hey, we don't know what he's going to do, we don't know who he is, we're not going to support him this time, that you would say, well, if you look at how he's governed, and I'm sorry everyone, it's extremely loud in here, if you look at how he's governed, these are things that you should know, and these are reasons why you could support him as a Christian. Well, uh, it's always this loud at a Trump rally, we love a good party, but President Trump has made faith and faith leaders part of the conversation in a White House in a way that has never been done before by any president. Other presidents have said that they believe that they follow God and that they follow the Testament. But when you actually see what President Trump has done, you see the inclusion of faith leaders every step of the way. They pray over him. They come into the Oval Office. You never saw that with another president. And he fights for faith. He fights for freedom. He fights for unborn children and those born alive that people like Mayor Pete would say... It's possible infanticide is an option. When it comes to protection of faith and, and on college campuses, President Trump has fought to protect the right to express religion. And in the church, President Trump has fought for the right for churches to discuss politics without losing their ability to have tax exempt status. This is a president who fights for religious freedom. 
for fight to the institution of religion, whatever your faith may be, in a way that's never been done. And those who maybe didn't believe before can see with their own eyes now. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So if if there are evangelicals in our audience or other individuals that are listening that would say, hey, we want to be involved with the campaign this year, how would they do that? What would they need to do? The best way to get involved is to text Trump to 88022 or go to our website, DonaldJTrump.com. Sign up. Become a volunteer. Come and join the movement because this is not a moment. It's a movement to change and build the fiber of our country better than ever before. That's awesome, Aaron. Thank you so much. appreciate you talking to us. All right, so there you have it. Erin Perini, super nice, was able to spend some time getting to know her yesterday. And she may be on again in the days and months moving forward to the election. And just so you know, if you are listening and you're like, you know, I don't I don't care about this Trump stuff, I, that's cool. I get it. And we welcome if there are other candidates that would like to present their side or share how you can get involved with their campaigns or their their representatives would like to be on the air. We give equal airtime to all uh, candidates, their representatives that would like to be part of it or, or excuse me, be on our station. So. Last but not least here today, and this is something for you if you are a member of the Democratic Party, or even if you're not but you would like to caucus with Democrats, I did not even know this, but you can actually register today to caucus with Democrats. I did not know that that was a thing. So if you have not registered to vote and you would like to participate in the Democratic primary, or you are registered to vote and you would like to change affiliation to participate in that primary, you can do that today. So there is the early voting process has ended. So today we have the precinct caucuses happening. If you are a a casino employee on the strip, there is also a strip caucus site uh, today. You can, again, register to vote the same day or change your party affiliation uh, today at any of the caucus locations. You can find all the information you need at caucus.nvdems.com and you uh, there on there there's a map of caucus sites and you can you can learn all about uh, becoming a delegate how results will be reported you don't need to bring a photo ID with you I suggest that you do because I well I don't have time because we're out of time but yeah okay so here's how the caucuses will work caucuses people will gather at their caucus location and then this is how what will happen with the results tonight the nevada state democratic party is going to get the raw early vote totals for each candidate using a secure tabulation method i don't know what that means and delegate selection oh goodness you guys really want to know about this you kind of do don't you All right. For precinct selecting two delegates, viability is going to be 25% of the eligible caucus attendees. For precinct selecting three delegates, viability is one-sixth of the eligible caucus attendees. Four or more delegates, viability is 15%. After the initial alignment, so this is very similar to what we saw with the Iowa caucuses. If you listen to me talk about that, it's the same, same general idea. After the initial alignment, and if there are any non-viable groups, then the eligible caucus attendees in those groups will have up to another 15 minutes to align with another uh, viable group. Early results for non-viable groups that will be aligned with the, the viable preferences. That becomes a second alignment. After the second alignment, then the chair will allocate delegates for the precinct 
based on a, a formula, which I can't really explain to you on the radio because there's rounding and there's division and there's all these different things. But again, you, if you go to nvdems.com, you can get all the information you need or have any desire to find out <laughs> when you're there. You may go and observe the process. If you are not a registered Democrat or you don't desire to participate, you can still observe the process, but you may not be disruptive in any way. Uh, campaign staff, campaign volunteers will be given the opportunity to speak during the realignment. So it'll be the first viability period. Then candidates will be eliminated based on how many people support them. And then there will be uh, a redoing again. And then we will start to get the results following this whole thing. Check-in began at 10 o'clock this morning. The actual caucus begins at, or began also this morning at noon. And traditional turnout in 2016 was 84,000, but 2008 turnout was 118,000. With early voting this year, we have already seen 30, over 36,000 people participate in the early voting process. There are 30, 36 pledged National Democratic Convention delegates plus 12 unpledged National Democratic Convention delegates from Nevada. Now that does not equate to to what am I what am I the electoral college votes. That's not what this is. These are delegates to the the party convention. Of those pledged convention delegates, 23 will be given out proportionally based on congressional district results. The remaining 13 are allocated proportionally based on the total statewide results. So it's similar to electoral college popular vote type dispersion, but on a more, obviously, the this, this statewide uh, level. You, the candidate must hit 15% threshold in both statewide and congressional districts to receive those delegates. So even if somebody does really well, say in Elko, if that doesn't translate to 15% statewide and in congressional districts, they would not receive delegates. So again, it works basically the same way as Iowa, except the, uh, the here in Nevada, they're not just using the app. You can use, their workers will be using phones, iPads, paper. The party website will be the main place to go and find results. That will be the most accurate, most up-to-date information. But, of course, all of the network news stations will be reporting this as well. You may start seeing results, early results, very early today. Like within the next hour or two, we may start seeing uh, some results because we have seen so many people already caucus in the early voting we may start having some results happening very, very quickly here. And then things should calm down here in our state for a few months. But believe me, if you thought this week was crazy with road closures and events and all the things, I'm telling you, it's just going to continue as the year goes on. We will have visits from the president, the vice president, whoever ended up being the Democratic candidate and, and their vice presidential pick. People are going to be coming. There's going to be focus on Nevada. And I would encourage you, in all of this, be involved, get to know what's happening with the on the presidential level, understand it, go to rallies, get your kids involved, experience this while you have the chance to experience it. But don't get so caught up in that that you forget that there are down-the-ballot candidates which also need your help, need your support, 
and that you need to educate yourself on. We're electing judges, we're electing justices, we're electing school board members, we're electing the people to the state assembly, we're electing people to the state senate. There are, there are literally dozens of people just in your district running for office and you need to do your research to get to know them. It's, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it's not easy. <laughs> Oftentimes here in Nevada to get to know the candidates, particularly when they're running on a nonpartisan ticket like judges and, and school board members and so on. But it is possible. If you do a little bit of internet research, a little bit of Facebook stalking, you can find out about these individuals that are seeking your vote. And I, I would encourage you to find out who's running in your district and get to know them. Find out who you can support and who you should support this election season. All right, that is all the time that I've left for today. I know we went over. I've been trying to keep the new, improved, revised Frittle shows to 30 minutes or less, but we had just a lot to cover today with everything happening in Nevada. So thanks for bearing with us. Hope you have a fantastic week, and we will see you here back again next weekend. Adios, amigos.